really excited to get this going. It's something we've been putting in the works for a little while. Lots of preparation, much more preparation than we typically put into anything for a cover band that never practices. Um, so, so we're excited to get this rolling. I'll be the only host, at least for now, from the Let Bandits. I'm sure there will be other members on in the future. But for now, it's just going to be me. I'm going to have a guest on in about 10 minutes. He, he ha- has familiarity with the Wet Bandits also, but he does his own thing. Very cool guy. I'll just let him speak for himself once we bring him on. But let's start this. It seems appropriate with the first episode to kind of get into why, <laughs> in a world saturated with podcasts, why the Wet Bandits need to have their own podcast. Well, the answer is we don't need to have our own podcast, but it's a fun thing to do. And and from a personal standpoint, I've been sort of getting into, not getting into podcasts specifically, but, you know, I'm 37 years old. So younger people who are listening to this, this is going to sound, oh, oh, let me tell you about my MySpace account. But the, the way this sort of came to fruition for me started maybe two or three years ago with a YouTube channel actually called The Screen Junkies, which have sort of been, their creator has was a part of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, not directly related to Harvey Weinstein, but he had a similar issue, which is neither here nor there. But if you're familiar with Screen Junkies, you're probably familiar with that, uh, that situation. And the only reason I, it's worth bringing up Screen Junkies is because th- they talk about movies, as you might guess from the title. And... They talk about a lot. They're far more knowledgeable than I am. And they talk about movies that I've never seen and probably never will see. But there's so much material and they have such a love for the content that they're talking about that it gets me interested, even as someone who's who normally wouldn't be, it gets me interested in seeing the things they're talking about, for one. And it also, the things that I am familiar with, even though I'm not interacting with the screen junkies uh, personally, it still brings up this sort of um, this sort of excitement, this sort of feeling that you're involved with what they're doing, and that's really neat. and And I haven't found that in a musical um, in a musical podcast or YouTube channel. And I'm sure they're out there, but the goal for the Wet Bandits is to be a little bit more accessible. Now we uh, we only do '90s. Um, we only do 90s covers in our band. My, my guess is, and this is still sort of evolving, it's sort of a dynamic thing we have going here. As I, I say that, like there's a whole catalog, this is the first episode, but the vision for this is not to only speak about 90s forever, because so much of the 90s music that we play, so much of the way that we play that 90s music is influenced by the other music that we listen to. I didn't listen to the music of my generation until I was in eighth grade. I was listening to oldies and, well, that's pretty much it. Just <laughs> I was listening to oldies with my parents until I was in eighth grade and I got my first CD player for Christmas or what have you. So, and, and I think a lot of that Good, and I think the other band members would agree that a lot of that goes into your playing. So we'll we'll certainly cover other musical styles, though it's probably not going to go that far outside of pop and rock and roll. And that you know, there's there's going to be some metal in there. There's going to be some hip hop, probably, especially because hip hop was really big in the, in the early '90s, and obviously just kind of skyrocketed from there. But 
we'll certainly get into at least something outside of the 90s rock that you'd hear at a Wet Bandits show. But also, I want this podcast to be something that we can bring people onto. I mentioned earlier that watching the Screen Junkies is fun, and part of it is sort of this feeling of involvement. You know, They're talking to each other, but you understand, at least when you've seen the movies or what have you, you understand what they're talking about, and you feel like your opinion is, is part of the show when clearly it's not. I would love to have Wet Bandits fans onto the show to talk about the albums. And that, that's, that's what a lot of this, at least in the beginning, that's what a lot of this podcast is going to focus on, is picking an album. This is what Kyle and I are going to do today. Picking an album, not really pe- taking it apart, because honestly, we, we don't want this to run into a two-hour show. We're just going to pick a few songs to talk about, um, talk about how that album affected us or didn't, how it sort of played a role in the culture of where we were as we, as when that album came out. And then you know, pretty much wrap it up from there. I don't envision this being sort of a critique of every single album we go over, just sort of a, a revisiting, a reminiscing, I guess. And I think it would be really great to get some uh, hashtag fandits on here to talk about some albums with us because... That's what the fun of this is, I think. I think I think the fun of this is going to be getting to talk to people about the albums we love and getting their perspective on it. That's what's going to be I think the most interesting thing as we as we go through because not every single album that we uh, that we go over, I'm sure I'm gonna love, but and it'll be interesting to hear what why people love the albums they love, and maybe hear why, say for an album that I love, why someone else doesn't like it as much, among other things. So that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting as as things move along. We're gonna talk about Boy Named Goo today from Goo Goo Dolls. I'll, I'll reintroduce that once Kyle comes in, but I want to explain how this came up. So. As the, as the, I mentioned I'm the de facto manager of the band, but I'm also, I guess, the de facto creator of the podcast. And so we're, we're, we're mostly choosing from my album collection. And for Boy Name, the, the way Boy Name Goo came up, it was around Easter time. I decided it was time to get this podcast rolling. So in a really scientific manner, I pointed at my CD tower, I'm actually doing that in my basement right now as I record this, point at my CD tower and wave my finger up and down until I stopped at a CD. And that CD happened to be Boy Named Goo. Really, like I said, really randomized and scientific. Probably won't do that the same way every time. But, you know, once I landed on it, I said, okay, Boy Named Goo, that's going to be interesting. It's not the most famous, most popular album of the 90s, but people are going to be familiar with it. And I think, and sort of going back to why I think this is going to be interesting for people, we live in a world now where people don't buy full albums anymore. They buy songs off the internet. And I'll be interested to see what people remember as songs from a specific album. And I'll wait till we get into Boy Named Goo to talk about it. But just for example, let's take something that's not from the 90s. Let's take a song like Woman from Wolf Mother. And that's a self-titled album, but but I don't think I, I think a lot of people know that song, the song "Woman," because 
you hear it at sporting events. It, it's a well-known song, but very few people, and, and they might like the song. They go, oh, I love that song. Woman, you got a woman, got to be a woman, and such and such. That was my first singing on the show. But I don't think very many people will realize where that came from, and I'll be interested to see how that pans out too, and hopefully you, the listener, will also be interested in that. We're going to bring Kyle on now in about two minutes. I'm going to give him a call at work. He's going to be really happy about that, I'm sure. Just kidding. He knows. But uh, we'll give him a call in a second. But before we do that, I have a little ad to run. That's right. We This is our first episode, and we already have ads to run. How is that possible? Well, they're not paying me. I know these people. I, I run in close circles with the people at Mercury Mile. The Wet Bandits are a 90s cover band from Columbus. Mercury Mile is also headquartered in Columbus. Are these a bunch of trust fund people that have put together an apparel company for you? No, they are not. It is just eight guys and girls in a warehouse putting together sweet running apparel boxes just for you. So how does Mercury Mile work? I'm sure you were wondering. The way it works is you fill out a runner profile at mercurymile.com. After you fill out the profile, you are assigned a a personal stylist, which is pretty cool. And based on the profile you put together for them, they pack a box of clothes for you. They mail it to you. You try everything on at home. You keep what you like. You send back what you don't. And you're only, of course, charged for what you keep. It's really cool. Very top-of-the-line stuff. As I'm sure I'll talk about in the future, I have been running since I was in middle school. This is Mercury Miles right up my alley. Uh, If you are interested in running or athletic apparel at all, I'm sure it will be right up your alley too. Just give it a try. You're going to really, if you don't like it, you're not out any money. So, uh, so please give that a try. You're sure to like something, even if you don't keep the full box. You're gonna you're gonna find something in there that's very useful for you. And because they're sponsoring the show, you can't see the air quotes sponsoring. Like I said, I'm not getting paid for this. These are just people I know. Air quotes sponsoring the show. You can get ten dollars off your stylist fee. So when you go to checkout, use the code GETWET, G-E-T-W-E-T, and get $10 off your stylist fee. So let's give Kyle a call and see if he's ready to go. Mike Ward. Kyle Lewis, how's it going? It's fantastic. How are you, my man? Good, good. I nailed it, didn't I? 11 on the dot. Well, my com- right on the dot. <laughs> I, know. That's I know. My computer says 1101 now but it's close enough but yeah it, it was it was 11 when it first ran yes so. good it counts so i feel i'm embarrassed but i want to ask you you you've been referring to this editing you're doing and i forget yeah. i forget what you do as, a, as well, a, what, what's your day job uh, my day job um is I, uh, it's called the content manager for Lancaster City Schools, the Lancaster City School District. Um, Basically, it's a combination of public relations, video production, uh, social media managing, uh, and also managing a uh, government and educational access TV station. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. The TV part, I remember now that you mention it. That's cool. Yeah, I, I... Coming up, coming up, I, I cut my teeth as a TV guy. Uh, 
the, the lot of video production that sort of stuff uh, around the country and um you know this this job is, has uh, sort of started out as that and then um they've allowed me to kind of morph it into this multi-headed monster that it is now yeah sweet sweet so you don't have um you don't have students per se do you or are you just kind of running a like no I, yeah i'm not a teacher okay um, we have uh the, we have a video production career tech class. We're we're one of the few uh, one of the few high schools in the country to have a uh, career tech uh, program on site. Uh, it's all part of one high school. So uh, rather than go to you know like a, a county career tech center, our students just stay in the high school here. Yeah. So and I work with those with those students. Uh, from time to time, but but no, I'm I'm not a an actual teacher. Okay, okay, cool. I'm glad I cleared that up. <laughs> I feel better <laughs> now. Uh, so let's um, you know, I, I prepped you a little bit for this, but let's go ahead and talk about let's talk about when when we met, <laughs> which sounds <laughs> weird. Let's talk about the first time we met. It, it, am I right that? that we met because you auditioned for the Wet Bandits? That's what I thought it was, but I, I can't... I guess I could be wrong yeah. about that. Well, like like the start of all good things, it, it started on Craigslist. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw an ad that said, uh, 90s rock cover band seeking a lead singer. Yeah. And um, at the time, I had a... I want to say like a eight or nine month old little baby at home and um i was like ah you know i don't know if i should do this or uh, you know that's, that's a lot of time out of the house and my wife uh who is just infinitely patient and and supportive and everything was like no you should go for this you you've always talked about you know wanting to pursue more music and and everything honestly i think she was wanting me out of the house a little bit more <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so I uh, I recorded a little video of myself. That's right. Playing, I think like a, a Weezer song and maybe like a Bush song. Yeah. Uh, on the car on the couch, singing, sent it to you, and uh, uh, yeah, then ended up coming up for an audition. Yeah. Yes, it's all coming back to me now. You, I really dragged you through. You were the one who had. You were so cool about it, but I really not intentionally, but. Like you had to, I you got dragged through the mud, kind of. Like you had to do multiple things that most people didn't have to do. But weren't you sick or something too? Um. Well, there was a yeah. There was a time when I couldn't make uh, one of I couldn't make one of the uh, like little jam sessions that you wanted me to come yeah. to because my car was stuck in the snow. Yeah. Um, and uh, then there was another time where I was not able to. Uh, really prepare for the songs because uh, my daughter was teething. Yeah. And cutting it. And so the, the times that I would usually have to sit and play guitar and right. sing, like really run through stuff at home, I was spent, you know, massaging my poor daughter's gum. Yeah. So, yeah. And and to so be... That, and gosh, this is going to be... This is going to be awkward if, if I'm wrong about this, but just to, to be clear to... <laughs> listeners potential listeners i if i if i remember correctly it was kind of a you kind of said like you know what with this baby i'm just not gonna have time to do this i don't think we had to 
we had to say one way or the other, like, oh, it's between you and somebody else. I think you could, it turned out that we were going to try to gig like once or twice a week. And that just seemed like too much at the time. Isn't that kind of what yeah. happened? I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was basically it. Uh, there was a little bit of confusion because you you told me, you know, hey, just hang tight because we got to find ourselves a drummer. Yeah. And, you know, I was hanging tight. And uh, I think we, we I sent you a random email just asking you like a random music question. And I said, you know, hey, keep your head up. You know, we'll find a drummer eventually. And uh, and then you fired back. We're like, oh, we've, we've had a drummer and, and, and a lead singer, actually. And, you know, <laughs> So, so it comes out. Well, it was one of those things where, I mean, I did not have time to do this. Yeah. Uh, The audition thing was fun. The the couple jam sessions I had with you and, uh, you know, the other guys in the band were awesome and and everything. But uh, uh, one of the big things was you guys are all located in Columbus. Yeah. And I'm about 45 minutes to an hour away in Lancaster. Yeah. uh, you would have added some extra time for me to, to go and do that. And then, you know, my uh, on top of the family, uh, you know, that I have at home, my wife is also a kindergarten teacher, which yeah. requires a lot of preparation time at home and also a lot of time for her to come and, you know, come home, have me take the kids and her sit in the bath and be stressed from a day of, of you know, hurting five-year-olds yeah. for for, uh, you know, eight hours. Yeah. So it's, uh, the, the, the rock and roll lifestyle was just not for me. Yeah. But uh, honestly, looking back, the whole thing was a, a completely positive experience. That's good. Thanks for taking it easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we did have the one gig. Yes. We'll always, we'll always have gigs. Yeah. And honestly, we, at the time, I think I can say this, even though Josh isn't here right now, because I think he realizes it. At the time, Josh seemed borderline sort of non-committal, and we kind wow. of, especially for the first year or so, we kind of thought he's probably not gonna. He had another band too, so I think you know I don't really remember. It's been almost five years ago now, but I think at the time we were kind of just kind not trying to commit to saying no to anyone or saying yes to anyone because we didn't know what he was going to do. And since then he's literally missed maybe one gig in five years. And it's the one that we had you sub for. So pretty much if we need a sub, we call you. It just never happens. (laughs) We just never need one. Yeah. And I, I'm always here and I'm not going to forget these songs. Right. So that's the beauty of a cover band is, you know, you don't need those hours and hours of rehearsal time together. It's, hey, listen to this song and right. come up and be, play it and sing. Right. You're, that's why you're guest number one, is because <laughs> I, knew that you, I knew that you would know these. In fact, I helped you play a gig at Papa Boo's once. And that was I, a blast, wasn't it? it? It was fun, but I'm going to throw in a but here because, and this is, this is, I don't know if I can say this in a coherent manner, but that gig proved to me that there's someone out there that whose musical catalog is much bigger than mine. And that's you like this, those songs you gave me, I probably knew like a quarter of them. And and I don't mean new, like already knew how to play. I mean, some of them I had, I don't think I'd ever heard before. So that that was, 
diverse. I mean, if I recall correctly, I mean, we went from like Derek and the Dominoes, yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish, uh-huh. um, uh, and oh, I think I, I threw like a uh, a squeeze yes. cover in there. Yeah, squeeze. Not this. Not the squeeze song that people know. No, no, <laughs> no. that's one that I like. Yeah. <laughs> What's I the name of the one we did? Uh, black coffee in bed. Black coffee in bed. That's right. That's right. I knew it was black coffee and something. Yeah. But I kept but, thinking. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh so yeah, if, if I could, you know, just plug that show uh, a little bit. Every yeah. year, Papa, Papa Booze, uh, which is located on Buckeye Lake, uh, it's one of those uh, bar and grill type places that you can dock your boat and come right up and and order food and everything. Uh, it's such a fun atmosphere. But uh, every year they have a massive fundraiser, and, complete with a silent auction and 50-50 raffle, and really just goes all day long, uh, and everything goes to benefit Nationwide Children's Hospice. And uh, the, they have raised just an insane amount of money for those guys, so I, I, I have to give uh, Def Craig Lowe and, uh, and his staff uh, a big, you know, a big shout out for the work that they do uh, on behalf of that organization. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet this year, right? Um, they, uh, they happened, uh, they usually happen in August. Okay. Uh, the, the planning was so hectic uh, going into it last year that I had to just basically grab my guitar and run and go. Right. Uh, and did not get a chance to, to get anybody to play with me or anything, but... Uh, if uh, if I get the call again, uh, believe me, I'll be I'll be giving you a call. Okay. To, to okay. Stand up. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm definitely up for it. I wasn't I wasn't asking to try to get myself in there. <laughs> I was just curious if you had a date for it yet. But no, no I have not heard anything. About okay. It yet. Okay. That's cool. Where else are you playing coming up? I know you're like I think in the email I sent you, I said ruling the Lancaster circuit, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. It seems like you're playing all the time. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I cannot complain. The, 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 uh, the gigs have been, have been pretty steady and I've been getting some decent crowds out and, uh, there, the, the Lancaster circuit, if you want to call it that is, uh, basically there's a, uh, coffee shop in, uh, in Lancaster called, uh, square seven coffee. Uh, I play there pretty regularly and then, um, you know, Papa booze in the summertime, uh, some regular gigs, and you know, I might pick up, uh, you know, uh, a uh, like a graduation party or something like that around. Sweet. So it, it, it keeps me busy, gets me out of the house, and uh, you know, you know, it's a, a, some extra spending money that, yeah. that makes it a little easier to to be a middle class family in yeah. Ohio. So yeah. Oh my gosh, the graduation gigs; those are the best. Those- <laughs> Um, I wanted to I wanted to throw in too. You've probably you've probably seen that now. I have a ten month old too, so I am a. I was gonna ask. Yeah. yeah. How how is that? Because it's, you're not just balancing being a rock star with you know the family life, but but also a day job on top of that. How uh, how's that been? It has been well, from my perspective. It's been fine, <laughs> but from my wife's perspective, I think she's maybe. Let, let me back up a little bit. I have tried to slow down the gigs some. And being the yeah. sort of manager of the band, I have really tried hard 
to book only one gig a weekend when possible. And, sure. and that's still, if I book every weekend, that's still, we still have as many gigs as we had last year. Just not as many back to back. Right. And, and that sounds like, you know, you're, you're really stepping back and everything, but that like, what I, what I've learned is like the, uh, with the amount of like preparation and setting up, tearing down, doing the show and, you know, making sure you're getting paid and all that, that, that cut in, that, that's like sort of the event for the weekend. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of difficult to, you know, go to, you know, take the kids to Kosai or, yeah. or other like that. Mm-hmm. And and it is not to turn this into a therapy session, but it, it's not it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to do. What actually has sort of made it work is you know, thank goodness for my parents being retired. We we don't pay any childcare right now, and since I work uh, since I work retail, my wife works Monday through Friday, and I will work Monday, Wednesday, Friday Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I can be off Tuesday, Thursday with the baby. My parents will watch her Monday, Wednesday, Friday while we're both working. And so my point is that I already work Saturday and Sunday anyway. So it's not it's not sort of like it makes those days super busy. Like if I have a gig on Saturday, then I work, you know, from eight to six on Saturday and then go straight to a gig. That's kind of a drag for my wife right. and me and the baby. But as far as, you know, missing out on family outings or stuff, I can always take a day off work and make that happen during the day before the gig or whatever. So um, still early on, you know, she's only 10 months old, but I'm sure the older she gets, the frankly, the more I'll want to slow things down a little bit. But right now, right. you know, I, I told uh, you, go ahead. You know, you're saying you're, you're right in that sweet spot, right? not, not to be the, uh, you know the old dad or anything, but um, I, I've got a, uh, a five-year-old going to turn six in August, and a, a three-year-old, and that that nine, ten, eleven-month-old age is really when the personality starts coming out, and uh-huh. when they start re- really realizing that you know, daddy is is the person who's always around and fun to be with and everything. And um, you know, the, uh, my wife and I always kind of talk about how like. Uh, you know that she she cries at every milestone and everything. You know, her babies are getting older, but for me, it's like the older they get, the more I get to connect with them. Uh-huh. And so I I I'm really enjoying my kids getting to that toddler and kindergartner age and everything. So and I'm I'm sure you guys will too. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely been more more fun than a struggle. Um, we, oh, yeah. I think we've, we've handled it pretty well. I think the, the music part specifically, I don't, who knows how we're doing as parents, but <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> right? Nobody knows. Um, okay. Well let's, you know, before we spend all day talking about our kids, let's, right, the let, West Bandit, uh, parenting podcast. Right? <laughs> yes. Let's talk about a boy named goo. How much did you get to listen to it before we came on? I, I, be I honest. spent kind of the last week listening oh, to Oh, that's it, a lot. So. That's plenty. That's plenty. Just to catch up and, right. and everything. How, brought, back a lot of, brought back a lot of 1995 memories. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I believe I was in uh, 
let's see, that was seventh grade when this came out. Yeah. So yeah, it was those junior high dances. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, hanging out with buddies, listening to music, because that was. I, looking back, that that was such a, a golden age of music. Like I, I compared the '90s, like early to mid '90s alternative rock scene, as similar to like the night, the late 1950s, early 1960s R&B movement in, yeah. in the country. Like, yeah, it's just some of the best music that Americans have ever produced. Yeah, do you kind of do you feel like not the music you're talking about like our era of the 90s kind of gets a little swept under the rug a little bit sort of it, i would say in the, the early 2000s it definitely was yeah but um it's starting to become that of like you know working in a high school i see more like nirvana shirts sure and um with uh with chris cornell's uh, uh passing recently mm-hmm. You heard a lot more Soundgarden being played and everything, and yeah. um, Pearl Jam will never go away. Yeah. Uh, so they're, I, I, they're, excuse me, they're they're always talked about and everything. But I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because like I I have a '90s playlist on Spotify that right. I wear out, mm-hmm. and and I still play a good amount of '90s songs at my shows and and everything. So like I, I'm kind of in a bubble. Where yeah. I, it's hard, it's hard for me to say, but I, I would say there's probably a lot of underappreciated stuff that isn't talked about as much as you know the Nirvanas, the Soundgardens, sure. REM, and those sort of those sort of groups. Sure, yeah. So talking specifically about a boy named Goo, and you, you, how I guess my follow up to how much did you listen to it leading up to this is how much do you think you've pulled this record out? since 1995 <laughs> <laughs> well uh probably not much same I, I i listened to it a bunch when it came out and um i think you know like looking back on it like i think this album's legacy is essentially it's essentially a single for name and then like a 12 a song b-side yeah, uh, I th- I think like the historically that that's how it's gonna go down. Yeah, uh, because because I uh, I feel like name is the song that launched these guys into what they became. Yeah, and this whole album is really the the one foot in the like punk rock that they used to do in Buffalo when they were coming up, and this like acoustic uh, acoustic like. Uh, monster ballad, you know, sing-along junior high dance band that, that they ultimately became. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even need to say anything. You nailed it. That's exactly, that's exactly what this is. Um, well, with that being said, you know, kind of like I talked to, I think I mentioned this in the email. I don't really want to tear this thing apart piece by piece or anything. I just kind of want to talk about a few different songs on it. So, sure. And I th- I think you should go first. So if we pick the same song, I'm not stealing your thunder at all. But okay. you might have said it already. What do you think is your favorite song on here? My favorite song is actually uh, it, it. I mean, as as lame as it is, it it was one of the singles. Uh, but looking back, I think the song that has the most legs and most sing power and most creativity is the 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 first track, "Long Way Down." Long way down. I don't 
Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those that, like, I feel like they are the only band based on the way they play their instruments, the production with Rob Cavallo, and the just the, the timbre of John Resnick's voice. They're the, really the only guys who could do that song and do it really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, to- I totally agree with that. I, I love Long Way Down. I love that song a lot. The Wet Bandits actually will cover it when we feel like playing a song that nobody knows. But <laughs> but isn't that funny? It was a single. It was a single on there, and it was on the Twister soundtrack, which was a huge mm-hmm. movie. These, these guys have had a lot of uh, uh, soundtracks. Yeah. A lot of soundtrack help. And I, I always kind of notice that you know, like, you know, they're on the Twister soundtrack, they're on the Angus soundtrack. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, right after this album came out, they were on the uh, City of Angels soundtrack. But yes. Iris would just put them in a different stratosphere. Yeah. But uh, and I found out that the reason because of that is the, their producer Rob Cavallo is the guy who made a ton of soundtrack and oh. was always putting his guys on there. Yeah. And. It, it usually it usually worked out for them, and, right? And it, cause these were uh, like big time big time uh, albums and everything. But uh, but yeah, this guy uh, Cavallo was like the the soundtrack king through like the nineties and two thousand. Yes, that is exactly the kind of tidbits I'm looking for from a guest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, it was I've got just wikipedia in front of me and long way down was 25th on the modern rock uh billboard charts so that's not bad but no one remembers it i'm serious when we play it at a gig hardly anyone knows that song but it is sweet well and and i mean it's i think his name hadn't been on this album totally it's like first well first off nobody probably would have bought the album but um (laughs) Long way, long way down was I. I feel like the, the best song, top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, on this, uh, um, even though name and I, name really was the most popular one. I think because I think it had more to do with the video than the song. Yeah. Honestly, because they went from this like college punk, like pop band from Buffalo to look at this gorgeous long haired guy with a cleft in his chin singing this <laughs> sweet acoustic song. Yeah. You know, uh, all of a sudden every girl wanted a Goo Goo Dolls poster. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, they kind of walked that line of, you know, the, uh, the, the rock and roll boyfriend that girls wanted, but also like, the, like that parents wouldn't object their. Yes. Kids to. Yes. Which is funny because just a little aside about the album I was reading that Walmart took it out of their stores. Did you, did you see this, the the scandal with Walmart? I did. Uh, Walmart pulled the album because, uh, you know, the, the cover art is a little boy, um, who is standing very clearly under a Blackberry branch with like, uh, with, blackberry juice on his like on his lip yeah. and like a little bit on his chest and somebody told walmart that uh it was blood <laughs> so walmart completely panicked and yes th- like this has to be the lamest 
album that has ever been banned from Walmart. Right. That's exactly what I thought. And just the idea that, because exactly what you were saying is true. Like these guys are rock music, but it's pretty, it's pretty like family friendly. And the idea that they've got this bloody child on the cover of their album cracks me up. Right. It's an album that, that, you know, clearly playing off of a Johnny Cash song, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, but yeah, all of a sudden the, you know, the guy who says, you know, a tired song keeps playing on a tired radio uh, is all of a sudden advocating child abuse. Right. (laughs) That's, that's, Walmart was very easily swayed back in the day. Apparently, apparently. Well, I'll, I'll give you. I I had a hard time with my favorite song, and I, I probably could have chosen "Long Way Down." But the way I went about figuring this out is, if I was to pop this in right now, what song would I want to listen to right now? Mm-hmm. And I think "Naked." Is my is my favorite song on there right now? Nick it's, is a good one. It's kind um, of go ahead. What what I, the way I described Naked uh, was if I said every '90s album I bought into an AI program and told it make me the quintessential '90s song from the 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 tone of the guitars, the lyrics. Uh, the way he will just randomly hold a long note in that song. Uh, It's so, like, like that song should be in every 90s movie soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I didn't look at it that way, but that's (laughs) That's very true. Um, It's kind of, for me, it kind of falls in the middle. Like, it's more rocking than name, but more Uh ballady than Long Way Down, so it's kind of in the middle of those two. But... Your your way of describing it is far more accurate and <laughs> and informative. Did you happen to look at how the singles for this album got released? Um, no, like the the order. Yeah, they, the order. No, that that wasn't something that I I looked at very it's, much. It's it's really strange. Um, I probably shouldn't have brought it up yet. In fact, let me hold off on that until I. Tell, do you have a least favorite on here? I'm going to go over our least favorite, and then I'm going to mention the singles in a little bit. I have um, really two songs that <laughs> uh, I was, like, as I was catching up on this album, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. I remember really liking this song. And now as, like, a 35-year-old listening to it who's, you know, had a little bit of life experience, yeah. I was actually... Uh, there are points where I was actually laughing out loud. <laughs> and then uh, the first one is another single, uh, the second single of Flat Top. Flat Top Intervention, bringing home the new invention. See if there are pieces on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, like, I remember, like, being, you know, 12 and hearing it and thinking, yeah, these guys are sicking it to the man. And, you know, talking about, like, hippies sleeping on the White House lawn uh-huh. and stuff. Like, oh, this is cool. This is a protest song and everything. And, like, now that I'm 35, it's, like, it's such a vague, bland, like, it's referencing protests happening but not actually saying anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
Um, and it, 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 what I would file is like a punk song for somebody who's never listened to Iggy and the Stooges. Yeah. You know, like someone, someone would say this is dangerous if their idea of danger was like Green Day's Insomniac. Yeah. Um, yes. The, the, uh, and the other one is, uh, uh, So Long. Yeah. Or, or no, I'm sorry. O- only one. Okay. One uh, jumped out to me, and it's another one of those like where they said, "Hey, let's 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 write one and be tough." Yeah. Um, even though you know, as I said, there's there were junior high girls with their posters all over, but uh, just for the lyric, uh, you used to be a folk singer, now you're just a joke singer. Ain't no smoking dope singer swinging from a rope singer. I don't know who he's taking down there, but I guarantee the other guy won. <laughs> so that's the only that's lyric. So bad. That's the only lyric from this album I wrote down to make a note of. <laughs> How bad that was! It's uh, so bad. Like, like he wants to be so tough. Yeah. With that, but like it, it, uh, it reminds me of like. Um, Another 90s song that you get what you give by the New Radicals. Yeah. Uh, where the guys, you know, talking about like Zach and Marilyn Manson and Courtney Love and everything and, and you know, come around and and, uh, and everything. And like, he's just the skinniest, little whiniest dude ever talking about like beating up these people. Yeah. And like, that, that's the kind of vibe that I get from this. Like, I, I don't see John Resnick punching anybody out. You know, right. It, it, so, so it's hard to take a song like that seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have anything very interesting to say about my least favorite. <laughs> In fact, I could have picked a couple. I think so long. We all had a laugh about it. I'd love to stick around, but I gotta tell you so Is just the one. Yeah, I think you almost said that. Um, yeah, that was that was an honorable mention. I'd say. Yeah, it's just. A lot of these, I don't think a lot of people realize, because uh, Goo Goo Dolls probably did sort of the, if you remember the band Stained, they kind of did what Stained did before Stained did it, right? They they had, Goo Goo Dolls was kind of like a pop punk band, and then Name became huge, and now like a lot of their songs are like Name. Sort of like Stained had that one ballad, and then like all they do are metal ballads now. So... They really rode that formula after they got famous from it. And a lot of these songs that Robbie Takich, is that how you say his last name, do you think? That sounds right. I was going to let you be the first one to say it. Has the, is there, there are only three guys in this band, and all their last names are hard to say. These, they're really, really unique. I encourage anyone to check out the lineups from the Goo Goo Dolls and try to pronounce all their last names. How many Z's can you put in one last name? And only pronounce one of them. Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyway, Ro- Robbie Takich, we'll say, sings that song, and a lot of the sort of more pop-punky songs are songs that Robbie sings, and they just kind of bleed together for me, most of them. They're all kind of like, meh, 
you know, there's nothing to say about them. I'm just, I'm going to probably yeah. skip them. They're, they're very throwaway, and what cracked me up is normally when you have a band with, you know, this this was really their last album where they had the dual lead singers. Yeah. Um, normally when you have that, it's because they have two very, like, distinct voice voices. Yeah. You know, like, uh, with, when, with Fleetwood Mac, you never had a question if you were listening to Stevie Nicks or um, Christine McVie. Right. You know, they're so, they're so different. Or, uh-huh. you know, with Doobie Brothers, when they brought in uh, Michael McDonald. So yeah. Different, you know, depending on who was going to be singing. Or but my Jerry, favorite, Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. Oh, God, they bled together so well. Uh, but, but, yeah, exactly like that. They, you, there's never a question of who's singing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes like that. Except there isn't a song that Robbie sings on this album that John Resnick wouldn't have sung better. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of like he was singing them just so that he could sing them. Yeah, yeah. It does feel that way a little bit. It, uh, it, it, I mean, the same, like, same kind of like raspy, like kind of rock yeah. voice, like, like you said, pop punk, but... Like, there, I didn't listen to a single song on here and think, oh, okay, that's why he sang this one. It fits his voice more. It, yeah. It fits both of their voices exactly. Just John's a much better singer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We'll touch on that a little bit later after we finish the songs we go through we'll do, <laughs> for the last bit. So, Hidden Gem, I envision this being a nice little bit. So, for for Hidden Gems, when we pick, uh, when we pick these for an album... We're going to pick our favorite song that's not one of the singles. So for those people who don't know, and we I was about to touch on this earlier, but I wanted to wait until now. The singles from this album were released in this order. Only one and Flat Top, two of your <laughs> two of your least favorite. Then <laughs> Name was the third single. Maybe four. then Naked, and then Long Way Down. And I don't know if Long Way Down was even released as a single from the album or if it was just released as part of this a single from the Twister soundtrack. I didn't look right. that far into it. But anyway, it counts. So those are the five singles. So we can pick anything other than those to be our hidden gem. So again, I'll let you go first. Um, I think my... Uh, and- and of course, like everything else I said on on this call so far, there's a, a story behind it. Um, my hidden gem is the last track, uh, number thirteen, Slave Girl. Yes, yes. Uh, and the only reason it's on the album is uh, it's a, a cover by an Australian band called the Lime Spiders. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it's on the album was because they kicked two songs off after they had recorded everything because the their drummer, George Tatuska, quit the band in the middle of recording. Yeah, And he was the primary songwriter for two of the songs, and they didn't want to put the album out and make a lot of money with this guy being the primary songwriter and not in the band anymore. Mm-hmm. So they, they added two really quick uh, 
uh, covers, and it's the last two songs, Disconnected and Slave Girl. And uh, I feel bad saying it because you listen to the lyrics now with like 2018 woke. Right. And it's a little cringeworthy. Well, it's very cringeworthy, actually, uh, because it's um, it's about a guy keeping a girl as a love slave, essentially. And it's done tongue in cheek, and it's done, you know, with a like an air of irony and everything. But even still, it, listening to it, you know, considering the Me Too movement and the Times Up movement and everything, and mm-hmm. you know, as you know. As a guy who's followed all that closely and as a, a bleeding heart liberal, it, it's difficult to hear that and go like, oh, yeah, what a great song. Yeah. But sonically, it's so different from the rest of the album. And it's kind of a look into, like, maybe what these guys were at their best when they were, you know, playing college shows in Buffalo and around New York and everything. Um, and really the only Robbie song that I, I really enjoy on the album. Yeah. No, you you hit on a lot of points that I would have said exactly the same. I love it's maybe the most unique question mark. Sure. Like it's really different from the rest of it. And I I'm not disagreeing with you. I I think you're probably uh, almost definitely right about this. But when I listened to it, I think I was listening to it through the 2018, you know, I can't you can't listen right. through a lens, but you know what I'm saying. Right. In my head, I was thinking that this is a a a parody. It's satire. Like they they yeah. you're supposed to think this is stupid, and so oh, yeah. in from with the Me Too movement and all that that you were talking about, I I wasn't as potentially offended by it, but I totally get what you're saying too. You know, we can't look at really it's a piece of art from the early nineties. Maybe we shouldn't be looking at it through our lens now, but, uh, but yeah, I noticed the same thing and thought the same thing and have similar sentiments about Robbie singing it. <laughs> it, it it's, I, and I think you are right. I, I don't think you can write a permanent song about that. Uh, I mean, really in any era of yeah. American pop and it go over very well. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those where it's like pretty much and and pretty much just thinking like oh if I were to to cover this song you know I'd probably have some pitchforks out right yeah yep we're we're, we're not exactly in an age of subtlety and nuance uh yes correct (laughs) (laughs) correct well Uh, so I'm curious though did does that mean Slave Girl's your, your hidden gem as well? No, no, it's not. And I'm kind of embarrassed. Well, not embarrassed. But mine is burning up. And life seems so easy when it's from my easy chair. And you're burning up inside. Burning up inside. Which is another Robbie song, but okay. I was I was actually surprised this wasn't a single. For some reason, in my my recollection going back, because I knew I was gonna look at them this way, I was gonna look for a song that wasn't a single and try to figure out what my favorite was. And then I went back and actually looked at what the singles were, and "Burning Up" wasn't a single, and I was really surprised. I think it's just like a good pop song. 
I think similar to Slave Girl, it kind of fits. Uh, it kind of fits Robbie's voice mm-hmm. when he does the long, the sustained note at the end, where he's like, um, "And I hurt my eyes," or what? It, that's the only part that I almost think Johnny's sort of like breathy delivery might not work as well as Robbie's. Okay. Like it works because Robbie's voice is such like a. He sounds like a little monster, like a little oh, yeah. raspy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I think that that works for him. I just think it's a cool pop song. And and to be honest, outside of Name and Long Way Down and Naked, I don't love the album very much anyway. So the fact that Burn It Up was like, oh yeah, cool song, like that made it kind of easy for me. Yeah, and and the thing you. Uh, I feel like you touched on this earlier, but you could take probably half of these songs and put them, like, release them as their own album in, you know, 2004 and say, this is a new pop-punk band. You know, they're going on tour with Simple Plan. And, and, and like, it would have been huge. Yeah. <laughs> and this was released, you know, 10 years before that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so let's make fun of Robbie some more. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you saw this. It, it was kind of a rambling paragraph I wrote you at three in the morning post gig, but I want to kind of do a little goof on on each of these records, and and the only thing I could think of the the only thing I could think to kind of poke fun at these guys was you know we just talked about how Robbie pretty much gets. Every song, almost every song he does, Johnny could sing better. And right. every every single that was released was one of Johnny's songs on lead vocals. So yeah. I was kind of looking at this as like the Joe Lenardi bracketology of Johnny Resnick, Johnny Resnick sing uh, lead vocal songs. <laughs> what of the songs here? I'll read off the ones Robbie sings on. He said Robbie sings lead on "Burning Up." impersonality something bad so long and slave girl so of those songs those five songs that robbie got to sing which one is the first one out for johnny meaning like okay johnny was like okay i want to sing these uh how many would it be johnny says i want to sing these eight songs the first one you can have robbie is blank is which one I, I think you, you nailed it with burning up. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I think that's the one that that sounds like it came from Robbie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more high speed. It's more in the the punk vein. Um, it, it's in it, you know, like you said, it, it kind of fits his like buzzsaw kind of voice. Yeah. Uh, better better than it would uh, John. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I agree with you on that one. It, for me, it was between that one and impersonality. Yeah. Just because I think impersonality, and maybe this is kind of the same thing I was saying about burning up, but impersonality is also, of the of the five songs that Robbie sings, burning up and impersonality are the ones that aren't just throwaway pop punk songs. But, you know, and personality has a little hook to it that's kind of cool, and I don't know. Well, uh, another thing, too, is, like, impersonality is, like, the really, uh, 
like nostalgic talking about growing up and mm-hmm. you know uh, loving the mall and <laughs> watching watching Wizard of Oz with your grandma and, and all that stuff, which seems like they would have given it to the like more sensitive, yeah, heartthrob. Yeah, of the band. Yeah, good point. Good point. I would have thought the same thing, but who knows why they did what they did. But yeah, over overall, this is not an album I pull out a lot. I enjoyed kind of going back and listening to it. And and I probably will listen to it more often now that I've done that, but again, it's not it's not, you know, a crown jewel in my CD collection or anything. Yeah, it's not a classic. It's a significant album um, because this is what because through the time that I'd say you and I you know started learning how to play music and connecting with music a little bit more, the Goozer Dolls were a very relevant band. Sure, they went on like a four album run where they were really present and uh, and you know everybody like I you can take the toughest person in America and I promise you they know all the words Cyrus. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Whether they like the song or not. Uh, and this this album, I think, is significant because it really represents when the band said, oh, this is what we're really good at, and this is what people really like. Okay, yeah. we need to do this now. Mm-hmm. Because Name was such a monster single. And, mm-hmm. and, and I want to see if you have the same complaint about like this and Iris and everything. <laughs> Those are some of the most requested songs that I get when I'm playing shows. Yeah. And I have to explain to people, you don't want to sit here and listen to me tune my guitar for 15 minutes, <laughs> play one song, and then tune it back to, to standard. Dude, this is exactly... <laughs> they're not even in like in, in like open G or something where you could come up with like four songs run. You know, and the place like he just randomly started turning his his tuning peg, tuned like every single string to to some octave of D, and came up with this song. And it and it doesn't sound good played in any other tune. Dude, you're cracking me up with this because that is I was thinking the exact same thing. Like as soon as you kind of started talking about this. I was thinking in my head, like, and you know what? The Wet Bandits will never cover name because we're never going to have an extra set of every instrument just because we can have this weird tuning on this song. Yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so true. Yes, that is a plight of the local cover band is we always get requests for those songs. We actually have bastardized Iris a little bit and just sort of made it work. But it's it's not the same, and you definitely couldn't do it with name because there's you know with all the orchestra and stuff in Iris, you can kind of fake it, but not with yeah. name, you know. Well, and another thing is, I know like everybody knows all the words to Iris. I don't know anyone who knows all the words to name. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like you could get away with a little bit of changing a little bit of the the musicality and Iris because everybody is going to scream the forest with Yes. You. Yep. And when people are screaming, they're not listening. Yep. So true. Um, but uh, it, getting back to to like why this album is worth talking about, um, you know, I remember watching the the behind the music 
and them talking about how, like, when they wrote it... Like, there was a Goo Goo Dolls behind the music? Back in the day. This wasn't part of... I'm shocked. This wasn't part of my research. I didn't realize that they went through a, uh, a drug-riddled near-death experience and then came up from the ashes to, <laughs> to reclaim their glory. What's funny is they didn't. They were just a real... Their, their struggle was they went from a really bad punk band yeah. to a really popular, like, pop band. Yeah. And that was their struggle. And, uh, and them talking about how Name was just a throwaway song that almost didn't even make it on the album and whatever, and then all of a sudden it's this single and... Everybody loves the Goo Goo Dolls, and they expect them to be this. And um, I have to throw in a little, uh, like, third-person anecdote. Uh, a good friend of mine one time was visiting some friends in New York, and he said he they uh, just kind of popped into a little, like, kind of a laid-back, chill bar. And there was a guy uh, playing acoustic guitar and singing. And as they got a little closer, they realized that it was John Resnick. Oh my and gosh. he had just kind of said, like, hey, do you guys mind if I play some music here tonight? You know, one of those, like, back to your roots, finding yourself kind of gigs. Like, they didn't promote yeah. it. It wasn't anything. Like, there was hardly anybody there. It was just John Resnick playing guitar and singing at this bar. And um, so they were like, wow, this is cool. Let's, you know, stop and listen for a little bit. And he said that, uh, you know, finished the song and people were clapping and he was like, okay, uh, you know, thinking about this music and all the songs that I've written and, you know, what's been famous and everything and realize that in your life, sometimes you reach a crossroads where you have this choice where you can go this route and be true to yourself and, you know, keep your integrity and, you know, be able to, to just respect yourself and look yourself in the mirror every night. Or you can go this route. And I decided to take the other route with this song. And it's really made me become something that I didn't want to be. And then went right into Iris. Yeah. And he said it was the most depressing thing he had ever seen in his life. Huh. Huh. So, on one hand, like, you know, I, I feel you. Like, I, I, you're not playing the music that you want to be playing, and you probably don't have the audience that you're wanting. But on the other hand, I guarantee John Resnick has more in the bank than I do yes. right now. Yes. Not that everything goes down to money, but he's also, like, I, I would consider him, like, a, a huge sellout or whatever if he didn't write all this music. Right. Yeah. But the, Clearly, this is clearly like, oh, it's my lifelong dream to be a carpenter, but I found out I'm a really good welder. Yeah. So I'm going to be living as a welder and maybe, you know, do woodworking in my garage at home. Yeah. Like, that, that's all this is. He didn't sell out. He just found out he's a really good, right. like, you know, mom rock songwriter. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that would make him feel better. But, John, I, you're great at mom rock. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my, my aunt loves you. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness well i didn't mean to turn this into a 50 minute call but you you <laughs> seriously brought all the info today so i we had to keep going well i i, I could not be underprepared <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's, i knew i could count on you oh, I, I appreciate that okay one last question 
Are yeah. you? Go- I don't like. To, I don't want to date this show too much, but are you going to go to Rock on the Range this weekend? I Rock on the Range has not been my scene, um, and uh, you know to, to to let you know just how far I am from that that rock and roll lifestyle. Uh, I am uh, painting my dining room. That's that a boy. No, yeah, <laughs> that's the way to do it. I'm not. Well, okay. <laughs> Who's headlining this year? Tool. So oh. Allison Chains are tonight. I've seen Allison Chains enough recently that I don't need to go. Even though they're my favorite band and they have a new song out, I'm not. I don't need to go see them again. But who, who they have is their their singer now. Who, who, his, who they have replaced? His name's William Duvall. He used to play with a band called. I think they were called Comes with the Fall. Um, uh, he's been with them for a while, hasn't he? He has. He's been with them for like maybe like five years now, something like that. Yeah, yeah maybe even good. longer, maybe like eight. Um, yeah. but he's good. I like him a lot. Uh, Lane Staley, great singer, not great at guitar, and William Duvall can really play guitar too, which doesn't really add that much to the band. <laughs> so it's like. It's like, what's the point of adding Eric Clapton to Eddie Van Halen? Like, I don't know that. But it's blue on black, you know. But what? Well, do you know why Lane Staley was not a very good guitar player? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't just that he was a junkie. <laughs> why else? If you notice, he always, whenever he performed, he was always wearing fingerless gloves. Yeah. Like motorcycle gloves. Uh huh. He used the webbing between his fingers as his injection point. Yeah. For for heroin. Yeah, I, I, I knew that he had, like, no space left anywhere on his arms. and uh, yeah. yeah. I I'm, I'm And I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physiologist or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure that would kind of hinder your hand movement. Yes. You you should see, I don't know if you've seen, not to get into Alice in Chains too much, but they're uh, MTV Unplugged. Um, if oh, you've yeah. If you've seen that, his strum hand when he's playing a song like Angry Chair where he's doing like single string picking, it's like watching yeah. a kindergartner play guitar. It's pathetic. It's I know it's not good to yeah. speak ill of the dead, but it's pathetic. Um, it's, it's, to learn. It's, a learn. it's a life lesson. It's a teaching moment. Yeah, yeah. So I am go- I'm going to go see Tool because I'll pay, I'll pay the price to see Tool, but I'm yeah. definitely not getting general admission i'm definitely sitting in the stands like the 37 year old man that i am <laughs> that's that's the way you do it are, are you bringing the kids with you oh no uh, it's actually i'm forcing i'm forcing my wife to go see tool on her birthday so, <laughs> so we're gonna drop the kid off with my with my parents and go see tool very cool i'm sure very we'll do cool. something else that my wife wants to do also I, I would imagine you can make a whole day out of it. Yeah, you know, maybe Bedtime and Beyond or, or you know, make a fun little Saturday. That's right. Well, hey man, I'll let you go now. You were fantastic. Thanks for doing this. Uh, my pleasure. And anytime you want to break down some random album from the '90s, I, I, I can guarantee I could be ready in a couple days' notice. Good. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna call on you. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Thanks, Mike. We'll see ya. And that was Kyle Lewis. Just, oh my gosh, bringing it. I loved it. I loved it. I hope I hope you stayed tuned for the whole time because that guy, he did not tell me what he was going to say. I prepped him a little bit with some questions or things we might go over beforehand. But he just knows so much about 
a lot of this music. Just little stories like that. Cool guy. Really, really good musician, too. If you are in the Lancaster area, or he plays at this place called Christie's Pizza a lot, or at least he used to. I hope I'm not saying anything I shouldn't. But if if you uh, go to his Facebook, I think he has a music Facebook page, and check him out, go do it. He He's a crowd pleaser, for sure. And that's it. That's going to be it for the Wet Bandits podcast episode one. I forgot to mention in the beginning, but I want to mention now we are sharing our social media page with the band page. So the 90s cover band page and the podcast page are one and the same. You can find us at facebook.com slash Wet Bandits Band. Twitter handle is Wet Bandits Band. Instagram also Wet Bandits Band. You can also find us at wetbanditsband.com that you can find all our shows there where we're playing around Columbus in the area thanks again Kyle Lewis for being on really excited to get this going hopefully we'll have one of these about once a week for you so we're looking forward to